five, four, three. No. <laughs> 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 Hello! How are you? My name is Greg Tito, and I'm joined by uh, a, a hysterical Shelly Mazanoble who can't say hi. Hi! <laughs> but we're here to talk about uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, we are. That is a game in which you role play. <laughs> do, do you explain, communications manager, in one sentence, Dungeons and Dragons? Uh, Dungeons and Dragons Wait, is a... Wait, hold that thought. You know who should explain this? We have a person. Let's. There is actually someone here that should explain. There's a person that. who's been in the room every time we've done this podcast mm-hmm. that we mentioned a few times, but we, yes, and he's had a few outbursts. Outbursts. Yes, which yes. were really funny. Right? Mostly. 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 Um, except for that one time. Except for that one time where he was not funny. yelling and swearing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was not good. Um, but maybe he could tell us. Okay. Because I'm just curious. Ryan. Yeah, because we get everybody on here who are already yeah. know what Dungeons and Dragons is. They talk yeah. about their history. It, our uh, uh, sound technician, our, our producer, and he he's just sat in this room with us for like a year now. It's been a while, right? Hasn't it, Ryan? I can't believe it has been that long. It's I been think. a while. Yeah. And you you did not play D and D. You do not no. play D and D. You never no. have played D and D. Never in my life. So you just were assigned this podcast, right? And you you've heard us talking. Yeah. That's strange thing. <laughs> Absolutely. And so wh- what do you think Dungeons and Dragons is? Well, um, based on all of our conversations that we've had. It has a lot a to do with unicorns and uh, rainbows. Oh. Right. No, I don't. Um. That's that's My Little Pony. That's the other oh, podcast right. that you do. <laughs> oh, man. I get those two confused all the time. It happens. They're very totally similar. Happens. Very similar. Um, no, I, I have learned some stuff. I'll have you know. Okay. And, and what is the, what uh, the things you've learned? Well, I've learned that Dungeons and Dragons is a game. Right. And it's also, That's what I said. also the cool kids refer to it as tabletop. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's things in it called NPCs, which I still don't know what that means, by That's the way. That's actually NPCs. Oh, exactly. I can't yeah. believe That's what that I, you picked that up, though. That's, uh, I know things. That about. stands for non player character. Exactly. That's like the bartender at the tavern. He's just a guy. Oh, okay. Not, nobody's oh, I, playing. Really I thought that there way. was a bar, actual bartender, and I was. Oh well, there's in always some, a tavern. In some D and D, you definitely do hang out with people who are bartenders, yeah. for sure. Oh yeah, it's it can be whatever you want it to be. Ah, I see. Right. See, I'm still learning. Okay, I'm still learning things. So does it sound weird? The things that you're hearing that are you're like God? Who no. are these people? <laughs> what are they talking about? about? <laughs> <laughs> what are they talking about? <laughs> That's how we imagine Ryan thinks in his, in his head. The voices in your head. When he's by himself. What are they talking about? What are they talking about? No, I think just like any any niche. That was it. Is it niche? I've heard niche and niche. Is right. That, I, I, I actually the, avoid that word what are the, because <laughs> of that. What do the scholars similar, call it? Similar to Archmage right. and or Archmage. Right. Whatever the, the, both the, are the right. scholars are calling it these days, a niche <laughs> thing, niche yeah. thing. Um, it's like any one of those things. It seems like there's a lot of intricacies and... The further down the rabbit hole you go, the more you learn and the more right, there is right. to it. So, um, yeah, I don't know what your question was anymore. But were you a I'm fan? talking about Nietzsche's. Were you so. a fan of, of Nietzsche? Well, <laughs> yeah. we can talk about we philosophy and, uh, <laughs> as much as you want. Uh, nihilism. Confucius. Yes. Yeah. Uh, do you, are you a fan of fantasy? Like, have you gotten into, like, uh, no. things like The Lord of the Rings no. or anything? What really? are you into? No. So, okay, well, it's funny because uh, my wife loves fantasy stuff. 
she was, she read, oh my gosh, she's going to kill me, but I won't tell her I said this. She read um, this book series called Aragon. That's yeah, about yeah. dragons. That's not, and she cried at the end of it because she wanted her own dragon. Oh, and so it was really sad. I had to, like, I, you know, did you get her? I had to help out, you know, and then said you got her a baby. Yeah, <laughs> I was Which like, well, this isn't, a, like this a isn't dragon. a dragon, but right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it can sound like a baby dragon for sure. Yeah, and so um, she like you know for Halloween she dresses up like Khaleesi from Game of Thrones and had like little she stuffed dragons around here. her shoulders. That's and, amazing. Um, I bought her a sweatshirt after we had our son. Bought her a sweatshirt called Mother of Dragons on it. Oh, and, like, wow. she was she's super that. into all that. You know, um, so did you guys watch Game of Thrones together? Yeah, I'm super okay. into Game of Thrones. I well, love that's that fantasy. show. That's right. fantasy. Yeah. So she's working on me. Uh, I also. Um, it's really funny. I really love Harry Potter. Yeah. Which is fancy. I actually started reading that book to make fun of somebody. Yeah. And then, um, so I used to, I used to play music for a living in a band and on tour, there's not a lot to do in the van. So our drummer was reading, uh, Harry Potter. I was like, nerd, go learn about unicorns. And I actually love unicorns <laughs> now, so it's kind of funny. That is funny. But, um, anyway, I started reading it to see what it was all about. And I was like, this is amazing. What did happen to the boy who lived, you know? <laughs> right. So, you got sucked right in. Potions clasp. This is awesome. Um, right, so, so, you, you know, you just, I, I like Harry Potter, but yeah. So when I asked you if you like fantasy, you immediately said no. Right? That's it. I gave you just the whole rundown. Well, but that's I, everything I, I got. That's all exactly I got. exactly the same way when you say, if you ask her, does she like fantasy? She will say, absolutely not. No. She loves Harry Potter. Yeah. She dresses up. Like, she go, She would go to the book releases at midnight and mm-hmm. dress up and make crafts for Harry Potter. She sounds like a true American hero. <laughs> she is an American yeah, hero, yeah. actually. Right. She loves Game of Thrones. She loves Lord of the Rings. And Dungeons but and she Dragons, she doesn't, I, I feel like, is all those things. It is. It lets you, you be those things. embody it. Right. Exactly. Right. And you get to tell those stories. Like, those things you're fascinated about learning, you get to tell that around a table with friends. You can play a bard because you're a musician. Uh, yeah. Exactly. yeah, I don't know. I don't know what a bard you does. Or you do something completely different and uh, <laughs> uh, be, a, be a, a dwarf. <laughs> yeah. There you yeah. Go. Or a unicorn. You could play as a unicorn. You could have a unicorn pet. Yeah. See, a pet un- unicorn. Oh, okay. There All right. Sold. We're talking. Your wife might enjoy it. She sounds like she actually would really like it. She might. Yeah. I don't know. She's she's into that. And then uh, her sister is super into fantasy novels. Actually, her whole side of the family is super into fantasy stuff. Her dad reads fantasy novels too. I just, I don't know. Is there any D&D in the family? I feel like there might be. I don't think there is. We gotta bring him in. Gotta bring him in. Really? How do you know? Next time you're having holiday I'll get to the bottom of it. Just say, hey, anyone here ever play a little D&D? You know, I have, I mean, and then bring, and then, and then bring out like your your books and then be like, I have a story we can tell right now. (laughs) We can do it all together. Ooh, Um, I also know that there's 12-sided dice involved. Yeah. Yeah. Also 20-sided. Oh, see, I didn't also know that either. Four. I didn't know that. But and you have to have like all of them? Wizards. You have to have all of those dice in order to play the game? Like, what happens if I don't show up with all three of my different-sided dice? Well, there's more than three. There's, oh, there's like God. six. But, uh, so I'm screwed, basically. Most people, most Somebody people share. Would, would. Someone share. Usually people have, like, their dice and guest dice, just in case somebody at the table... Do people have, like, you know, like, the real, like, the badasses show up with, like gold dice they pull out of a oh, case yeah. and they're just like oh yeah and then everyone yeah. looks around they're like oh we're screwed this it's like in Kington when they when he opens up the thing and there's, <laughs> yeah. and there's yeah. a, a flower in the middle of the bowling ball yeah it's just like that except it's a d20 with a flower in the middle yeah yeah um but no yeah it's basically just a random number generator so any I mean 
people use online, they'll use uh, a software to do it. Yeah. Or, you know, you can just use your phone. probably has a dice There's roller. An app. You can There's even do it in, in Google if you just do, like, roll D4. It'll put out a random number for you. So you don't need dice specifically. But it's really to fun it. to roll them. But it is fun to roll them and collect them and have them. Gotcha. Tell yeah. us more about your music. About my music? Yeah, because you do some pretty cool stuff. Like, you're, like, the real deal. Oh, well, I don't know about that. I mean, I'm trying. Uh, I have a... Yeah, I, I score for film and TV, um, do music, and then I also do stuff like this, like recording podcasts and mixing and mastering and um, the whole gambit. Yeah, I got a company I run with, uh, I own with my buddy Sam and called Dead Sound, and we just do this kind of stuff. So yeah. where, did the, where did the name Dead Sound come from? Um, God, I don't know. Sam came up with it, and I just thought it was awesome, so... <laughs> I don't know yeah. if I had some with, Grateful Dead reference. Yeah, or I don't there. know. There might be a there might be a reason for it, but um, no, it was already named that before I came on board. So nice. So when yeah. you score music for TV and movies, yes. How, do, how, does, how does that work exactly? You read the script. You talk to the director. You they give you like a this is what we're going for kind of thing. Yeah, or? I mean, it kind of depends on the project directors. I mean, are varying degrees of control freaks, and so it depends on how they kind of like to do it. You try and, you know, um, accommodate them. So usually it'll be like consultation. You'll sit down, trying to get a, like an idea of, okay, what's the story about? Um, what's the script? What time period? You know, a lot of those things factor into what the score is going to be. Um, where in the world is it set? You know, so that kind of changes your palette and kind of gives you an idea of where you're going to go from there. Then, yeah, you get sent, you know, um, rough cuts and, you know, stuff to look at and scripts. And, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of varies depending on the project. But, yeah. That's really cool. Because music really, I mean, it's got, has obviously such a huge impact on the experience of watching a movie or watching a TV show. So. Yeah, totally. You really have a big job there. Do you score it directly to the, this is something I've always been curious about. Like if, for example, a scene is three minutes long, do you write a piece of music that's three minutes long? Generally, no, actually. Um, what happens is, um, so for the you know last film we did, it was kind of wrote 20 to 22 different cues, all within varying moods and um, tempos and stuff like that. And then depending on, you know, the editors or, you know, again, a lot of this changes depending on how big the budget is, how many people are involved, I mean, what the director wants. But... Um, for this particular instance, sent him off and, you know, trusted the video editor enough to cut the cues down to how he wanted them and where he wanted to place them, and you kind of let them do it. And um, But like I said, I mean, if you're working on, like, the latest Star Wars film, it's going to be different than oh, that, yeah. you know. I mean, it, it just, you know, it all kind of depends. Right, right, right. Because I guess you would you would create a piece of music and then the, the editor the, or the sound editor would kind of edit it to make it work. Yeah, a lot of times. And sometimes they want you to do it, you know. Mm. And so it really comes down to preference and, you know, how they like to work and how you like to work. And it's kind of, it, but it's it's definitely super collaborative for sure. It's mm. not just like, the, you know, they, sh they ship it off to you and then you ship it back to them with the music on it and it's done. It's right. not, that's not how it goes. But you're creating all, is it always original music or do you go yeah. back to your library and say, I wrote this song back when I was 16 and it's perfect. Well, that's still original. Well, yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah, it depends. So, you know, if you're working on um, short documentaries, you know, uh, TV spots, that kind of stuff, um, yeah, you have like an online library of original music. 
And then, you know, lots of times people will just want to license music that you've already done if it's just something like, you know, low budget, like, oh, we just want to pay 300 bucks to license this piece of music for this particular project. They can do that or mm -hmm. we'll recommend that. But, um, you know, for movies, it's generally you're starting from scratch and you're custom making something for that particular yeah, story. That's really cool. What instruments do you play? Um, I play, well, I started out playing trumpet, actually. Wow. Um, in fifth grade, piano, we always had piano at home, so I played that too. And then I started playing guitar in junior high, 13 years old. I started with that, and then um, from there, I branched out and learned a few other instruments just from, you know, having them around the studio and trying to, you know, oh, this would be a cool sound, and try and dink around and make it sound somewhat <laughs> presentable. Cool. But yeah, those are my main instruments. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, to have musical ability. I know, right? I don't have it. My my, my wife can just sing and, and, and do all that, and I got nothing. I got nothing. She makes fun of my often off-key singing. She makes fun of you? I, very often, Just but about that specifically. All things, really. Well, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. That's what, that's what their job is. Their job? Yes. The wife's the job? Wives, the wife's job. <laughs> It's not anything weird. It's just they, they, their job is to make keep fun you of. In check. God forbid make... you like actually get gain some confidence. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> You're like I want to belittle him until. Like... Does your wife play D and D? She doesn't actually. It's, it, I was going to bring it up. Your your uh, uh, situation is 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 opposite uh, for me in that my wife has never been a big fan of fantasy at all. Uh, and so when I try to introduce her to D and D, she got it. She got I mean, as an actor, you kind of have some some improv skills, so she she yes. got that part of it. But she wasn't really a big fan of the genre. Uh, so like the, the 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 storytelling fun of of coming up with heroic actions just didn't really entice her that much, uh, which was sad. But I mean, but at the same level, <laughs> so if you set it in something a little bit more modern, types, yeah, I think so. Was she it might just the setting that she couldn't get that contributed to it, but it was also. Uh, just the the nature of it, having to sit around and and you know eat snacks and stuff. She kind Ugh. of was like, well, I'm that's not, I'm not the sure worst about that, right? Part. Yeah, I can basically I can get her to do a board game every once in a while, but that's mm. not as as often as I'd like. Well, fortunately, you're raising at least one future nerd. At least one gamer for yeah. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Edna's on board. She definitely is. Yeah, and she's almost ready for D and D. Almost. It's getting to that point. Yeah, she's already doing like the. There's a lot of pretending going on. There's a lot of mommy baby playing right now. Really? Yeah, where their stories they're telling are all about one, one of the kids being the mommy, one of them being the the the, the baby. Oh, cute. Yeah, exactly. Except it's every day now. I'll be like, let's play mommy baby. I'm like, I don't really want to play. Okay, that game. baby sleeping. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a good one. I'll be baby. That's a good go to. Bart told or Bart's dad told us that when Bart and his sister were little. His dad would come home from work and he'd be exhausted, and he but he wanted to still play with his kids, so he would play dead dog. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so like kind of that's kinda disturbing. Morbid, right? I don't want to let's play puppy like sleeping puppy maybe, but nope, he was a dead he dog. Was a dead dog. And the kids could just climb on him and do whatever they wanted, no. but he was just gonna lay there on the floor. <laughs> that's awesome. He's like, I'm involved. Yeah. I, yes, right. I'm involved. Yeah, that's uh, that's good advice for, yeah. for parenting. For future parents. Yeah. You can use that, Ryan. Thanks. Take I'll, that all I'll the way to the bank. Because yeah, your son <laughs> might, he might w come to you one day and say, Daddy, I want to learn how to play D&D. &D. Yeah, maybe. He's, it's in his blood. I'm sure his grandpa and his mom are going to buy him lots of 
Star Wars novels and get oh, him in yeah. that way. That'll be the the gateway drug, I think. Yeah. He's gonna. What have we talked about? What the right age is to start Star Wars? To the Star Wars movies? No, I don't think is we have. Bart Bart thinks it's four, maybe mm. five. Maybe it was five. GI Joe, I think, is four. <laughs> He's got a schedule. He has a schedule. He is yeah. very excited about starting to introduce. Yeah, I think. Uh, it depends on the kid. Yeah, really I was going to say that. It's got to depend on the kid, right? Like, yeah. what if your kid is, like, a little tender-hearted little kid and will cry if That's... something, you know, doesn't under, they don't understand yeah. it? Or... My kids can't even watch Disney movies because they get too uh, scared. Well, and Star Wars is a little bit scary. It's very scary, so... yeah. There's, like, a lot of breathing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of mouth breathing. A lot of mouth breathing, which I'm not, <laughs> I don't want to really, you know, uh, expose her to that right away. No. Yeah. Not right away. But I, it, I, it, soon, I think it's yeah. It depends on whether you're you're closer. You're in the window. I'm in the window. I bet Fiona could handle it, even though she's only two. Oh, she totally can. She's so badass. Yeah, she is. She's scary. She'd be like, bring me those stormtroopers. If if I had to put alignments on my kids, yeah, I would totally think that Fiona is chaotic evil right now. <laughs> she really loves to like smush things and like. Be like, no, in your face. And she like does like things like that. Oh, I think we're yeah. gonna be busy the next time we've got a <laughs> play date on the schedule. <laughs> it's inanimate things. Inanimate things. Okay, or bugs. Because my child is sensitive. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. It's 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 very sensitive for me because I have to like, you know, at the park or something like that, I'll be like, whoa, 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 hold on. Yeah. Uh but she's she's actually stopped doing that, but now it's more about but she still play acts that way. You know, like she's like you said, like tough, like she's a badass, yeah, like she, she wants to, you know, blah, blah, blah. she like does that, and her, and her, and her voice goes down Come like on. that too. Come right. at me, bro. Yeah, exactly. Wow. It's very funny. Like, yeah, it was out, we were outside, and there was a bug crawling on the ground, and then I was like, whatever, and I just was doing whatever, and then she, I, like saying, I go, she was going like smush, she smashed smush, the bug. smush, yeah, with her foot, wow. totally smashing it with her foot, and I was like, what are you doing? She's like, it was a bug. And I'm like, oh, <gasps> all right, I guess, I guess that bug. Wow, didn't, yeah. Fiona. It's, yeah. Well, we know what she's going to play when she plays D&D. Yeah, right. She'll be chaotic evil. Or Edna, I think, is more of a kind-hearted, chaotic good, probably. I don't know know if kids can ever be lawful. After a certain point, once they get to be, like, rule followers, maybe, but, like, you know, at this stage, no. I feel like Quinn is leaning in that way. Yeah? He'll be more... I'm a little bit lawful myself. Like I, I get really annoyed when people don't follow the rules. Like when they, when they like cut in line and stuff, oh, get mad. That. Yeah, and like I even got started to get a little angry at my friend, the one who says she doesn't like fantasy, when we were on our flight coming back from Paris. Yeah. And she tried to put two of her bags in in our overhead space. And I'm like, no, no, no! You wait for everybody to be here. In case they need that room for their oh. bag, you can't just put all your shit up there. You would not get along with me. You you do that. <laughs> well, no, I don't do that, but I don't. If it's it really it it, uh, it got me. I started yeah. I was like, and then I was like, whoa, whoa, my stuff's up there. It's cool. You had <laughs> a zen moment where you're like, it's all right. The flight wasn't even full. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. But she was staring at me like, are you serious? Like really? You're gonna yell at me for putting like, my purse and my backpack up here? Yes, yes. If I this am. whole D and D thing doesn't work out, you should be a flight attendant. I told they are her. such rule followers yes. and it bothers the crap yeah. out of me. And you I'm get like, to just boss people around and just yell at people and nobody can, I'm and you so can hit people with carts. You can have, you know, electronics on now when you're taking off, but like that whole time I was constantly the guy who was like, okay, sure, yeah, I'll take it off. 
and I was still listening to music the entire time. Oh, really? For like 10 yeah, years. I would rat Guess what? you out. No planes crashed when I was doing that. Because mm-hmm. you, you got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> That's what chaos is all about, getting mm-hmm. lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just doing what you want to do. Is our guy calling us? I don't, I don't know who is I supposed to realized. call us. What are we supposed to call that? Who's supposed to call us, Shelly? Well, he... He's like an NPC. <laughs> right now, guys. Guys. Guys? He's, he's the bartender. NPC. Guys? Right, right? Guys? Um, that's, that's actually not what that means. Obviously. Is it oh, smiley part? face sweetie 14? I don't want to talk to her. Yeah, Bart has been getting a lot Did of invites. Did you notice that? No, it's just for Bart. Uh, what do you think that means? Well, you're not, you don't have the login for, you have the login for Skype. I do, I've I, I don't, a lot I don't of ever like, log into it. A lot of bimbos trying to contact my man. Yeah, what do you think that's all about? <laughs> Everybody wants a piece. Everybody wants a piece of Bart. Of the Bart man. <laughs> well, now that Ashley Madison has been shut down. Oh. It's got to, you know. Did you search for whether it was Is anyone calling us? Uh, no, but somebody named God Star Kiss 32 is sending smiley winky faces. Oh. With a hey, with two Y's. Oh, my God. You know I still can't drink since coming back from Paris. Wait, what? He mentioned mentioned a bartender. (laughs) (laughs) It's got me thinking. I love that you were like in the middle of the conversation. It's like, you know, I'm still bloated. I'm still super bloaty, and I just can't. I can't do it. Did you eat a lot of cheese? Oh, yeah. And bread, baguettes, fresh yes. baguettes. Yes, I did. What did you have for breakfast? I Turnips. told you about my breakfast, right? Yeah. Okay, listen to this amazing breakfast. All right, I'm listening. A baguette with butter, uh, <laughs> with brie, and walnuts. Wow. And like a smidge of lettuce, just like. Poof. So did you? Did you want? To, all right, never mind. What? Don't ask. It's okay. What? No, I guess we'll just get right into it. Hello. Hello. Hey, there we go. Is this Cade? Ooh. I hope. Yeah, this is Cade. Yep. <laughs> okay. This is Cade. Good to meet you. How are you? Not bad, guys. Can you hear me okay? We can. Yeah. Yeah. Audio sounds good. So this is Shelly, and I'm here with Greg Tito. He's Hello. our communications manager and co-host. Nice to meet you, Greg. Nice to meet you. Shelly, nice to hear your voice. Yes, you too. It's been a long time in the making for this. Yes, ma'am. Agreed. Uh, Cade Wells. Uh, he's a longtime D&D player and a ninth grade English language arts teacher in Houston, Texas. Uh, that sounds awesome. Uh, so uh, in addition to co-running an after-school D&D club, you've done extensive research on the positive effects of gaming has on learning. And uh, you recently had the distinct honor of being selected to present your research at the World Literacy Conference in Austria. Wow, that sounds really cool. That is amazing. Yes, sir. Um, the World Literacy Conference this year was in Klagenfurt, Austria. Ooh. Um, our research, uh, which comes from Sam Houston State University here in Houston, um, we were in a symposium of three uh, people, um, all teachers or ex-teachers, you know, working on PhDs and so forth. We all presented on gaming in the classroom and how that changes the modern landscape of literacy. Uh, Of course, one of the biggest problems in our day and age with technology being in the forefront is kids just simply don't read anymore. Mm. Uh, So as I, yeah, it it, It it is, is, but there is a solution. Um, I realized that Dungeons and Dragons was 
primarily responsible for the intellect that myself and my friends that have been close to me my whole life, as anybody who plays D&D will tell you, mm-hmm. that it was primarily responsible for the intelligence that I now possess. Wow. So, oh, that's, that's a, a bold, big claim. Yeah, I was going to say that's a really <laughs> bold claim. No, that's amazing. There's, 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 no, there's no two ways about it. It's not a double-edged sword. I can, I can trace back to being 10 years old. Um, learning D&D from my brother's, one of my brother's best friends who had gone to private school, learned how to play this game. He came back during a Christmas vacation and he had these books and I'll never forget the books. So I learned how to play when I was 10 and that was back in the, in the early days of second edition before second edition advanced. And I realized as I was becoming a teacher, that all of the exercises that I was writing papers for and all the things that I had to do for pedagogy studies, it was all very familiar to me for some reason. And then it dawned on me, and it's because I had learned it all from the age of 10 to 15. Oh, wow. And all of the things that I learned about teaching, I had already, I had already learned that from playing Dungeons & Dragons my whole life. What kind, so, of, what kind of things that, that oh, translated? Um, everything. Uh, the ability to think. Truly. Um, the cool thing about Dungeons and & Dragons and, and other games like it is that it, it really gives kids the ability to think. Um, since the mechanics of the game, the core mechanic, since that creates a life, um, you can use it to teach just about anything. Mm. Um, you know, morality um, and all the, all the other things that go with it, math and, and, and reading and um, communication and maps and, you know, it's all there. It's a, the, one of the most impressive cross-curricular tools I have ever seen. And that's before I was a teacher. Now that I'm a teacher and I understand how learning works, I can say that for parents who are concerned about their kids, you know, their learning, that, that D&D is one of the best learning mechanisms that anyone could ever use to teach their children. Now, I mean, you mentioned all the the cross culture. That's something that I've always brought up, especially when I was a kid. And uh, uh, I mean, you, you as, as being someone who was playing in the advanced uh, or before, you know, second edition days, there was definitely a lot of blowback against D and D and what what it could possibly do and how it can damage children. But that was something that I always you know, we always argued for was that, you know, you're, you're doing arithmetic, you're doing adding, you're doing all these uh, things, but then also it's the metaphor of being, you know, someone else uh, of imagining uh, is something that, you know, D&D provides that, that no other thing does. Do you find that as, 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 a, that as a learning kids' tool? imaginations are incredibly stunted these days. Mm. Um, you know, we grew up in an era where, I, I'm 36, um, I grew up on a farm in South Dakota working hard my whole life. Um, I used my imagination every day because I didn't have anything else. You know, there wasn't a lot to, there were, there were no, you know, video games were, were at the base level. Nintendo had just come out, but these days kids have a cell phone in their pocket that's connected to games, to the internet and everything is spoon fed to them. So in ninth grade where they really have to become real people, you know, they have to start research capabilities and analytical capabilities and their writing has to become, you know, on the way to getting them into college and none of them are ready. Mm. Uh, their writing is all bad. Their reading is terrible. They, they just can't put two and two together. So as I was coming into this, uh, this year of teaching, I, I decided to really go for it. The research that I presented in Cloggenfort uh, dictates that this is a tool that works. I had 18 football players in my tutorial today, mm-hmm. okay? I was a little nervous about it because it's hard to play 
D&D with 18 kids, as you know. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever done it with a group no. that big. Well, and that's the welcome to the life of a teacher. I got 32 <laughs> kids in every classroom, okay? Yeah. Uh, these football players sent two tutorials by their coach. Um, I, I Well, what am I going to do, I thought. Well, I just had them select teams, and I put them together and, and do a death match. They were so excited, okay? There's the first-level characters. We just got them done. You know, they're, they're bare bones. You know, the kids are, are, are curious about the game and so forth. But the point is, is 18 football players diligently sat, rolling dice, looking at the characters, flipping through the spells in the book to find, you know, what their character was going to do at any one moment. And I smiled because some of these kids seemingly had never seen a book before. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's so here, here they are. I'm telling you, modern society, it's, yep. it's, it's getting hairy, okay? So here it is. I've introduced D&D to these kids. They've made characters. We basically had D&D boot camp. And um, I'm smiling as I'm watching these kids flip through the books, and there's another kid pointing at a chapter, and another kid's opening to the table of contents. Oh, I can't find it. And he looks it up in the index. And they're doing scan reading. They're doing, um, you know, they're looking for headings. They're doing all the things as an English teacher that we really want them to do. But the point is, is they're doing it intrinsically. Mm -hmm. they're, they're doing it for their own sake because they want to succeed in the game. And that's what I realized was so valuable about using Dungeons & Dragons as a teaching tool. Yeah. So you mentioned that they were sent for a tutorial. Were these kids that were having challenges in the classroom or weren't doing as well? Or I, I know uh, if you're football coaches, players, you have to ha maintain a certain GPA. That's what it is, Mrs. Okay. Is, is the coaches always look out for the kids. The kids can't play if they don't pass. And so there's usually one day a week where they send them to tutorials. Um, last year, my co-DM and I, who no longer teaches with me, so I'm doing it alone. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, it really is. I miss him a lot, as you guys know how those relationships build. Um, he, we selected from our two classes, he taught world geography and I, I teach English. So we, we selected from our groups of kids to make the D and D club. And of course you all know that D and D makes smart kids smarter. Mm -hmm. Um, for the bright kids, it's sort of this, I don't know, this light that they never knew had a switch. And as soon as you show them D and D, they, they're flipping that switch as hard as they can. Yeah. So what I wanted to do was bring it to everybody. And I thought, what if I never would have found this game when I was 10? You know, what if nobody would have brought this into my life? How different, how incredibly different my life would be. And so I thought, well, even if only 50% of the kids really have an interest in it, well, that's 50%. I have 180 students. And so, you know, when you have someone who's interested in D&D, they teach other people how to play D&D. &D. Yep. And those relationships last forever. And the learning continues to grow throughout their entire life. So I, I really just decided to go for it this year. And, and through um, the mass exposure to Dungeons and Dragons, I'm seeing lights flip on all the way across my room every day. I see kids excited to flip through those beautiful books that y'all make. I mean, thank you. You know, your, your artist teams, uh, they're just they're just fantastic guys. And the reason I remember being little and flipping through those books and the artwork and the graphs and the charts and all the it all works in harmony as a holistic learning experience and it makes kids smarter so i wanted to make all kids smarter i didn't want to make smart kids smarter smart kids are already smart they can use any tools to become successful um i teach in a title one school uh high poverty high crime area uh kids you know in some cases they don't have a chance mm -hmm. and i thought maybe this can be the chance um you know, modern gaming mechanics are a huge part of these kids' future. 
you know, designing video games and designing apps and things like that. Many of those kids will be in some field like that. And I thought that the, the core mechanic from Dungeons and Dragons could be a great catalyst for them to learn the operating systems that literally all modern games use. Yeah. Thank you, Dungeons and Dragons. Well, we, we, Thank no you, problem. Cade Wells. Yeah. <laughs> you I'll let sound you like, steer the wheel for a little bit. Well, you you sound like the kind of teacher that the kids are going to remember and they're going to look back and they're like, my ninth grade English teacher, he's the one that really turned it around for me or he's the one that inspired my love of reading or writing or whatever. So it's it, it's very inspiring to, to talk to you because... That's really the hope, Shelley. Um, yeah. There needs to be somebody like that in their life. Yeah. Um, I love teaching ninth grade because it's so important in the developmental stage of psychology of a human being. Um, ninth grade, I remember being in ninth grade, you think you know everything, you don't know anything. Uh, it's a really dangerous time. It's like low-level Luke Skywalker. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, the dark side, you can see it all, all around them. And what you're trying to get them to do is use the force in a positive way. And so I flood them with positivity. Um, I, I use D&D... I used D&D in the classroom before I used D&D in the classroom. Um, one of the things you had you had asked in the email is um, how people could use D&D in their classrooms right. on, on a more widespread basis. Yep. What I want to tell you is that anybody who grew up playing D&D is already using it in their classroom in some capacity. It's just um, inherent. It's just in you. You can't get away from it. Those, those people who are like myself and like you folks, they... They love it inherently, and they're going to realize the things that they know that they learned from D&D that they could put into their classroom. Mm -hmm. What they're afraid of doing is using D&D because principals that are still in that age category are afraid of the title Yeah, yeah. because of what happened in the 70s. Now, these days when kids are playing Grand Theft Auto, pulling somebody out of a car and shooting them and then getting in the car and driving away to go commit some other crime in a video game, D&D is no longer, you know, the evil brother. It's it's now if, if parents saw their kids sitting in a circle playing this game, reading books, rolling dice, laughing and talking to each other, they would be ecstatic right. to see that their kids were learning. Or even um, with other kids. With other person. kids, right. In yeah. a real live <laughs> setting where yeah. they're actually talking to each other, yeah. <laughs> you know, you talk about the zombie apocalypse, I see it every day. Um, people with their heads on their phones, you know, traffic in this town is terrible because people can't pull their self away from the device long enough to pay attention to the road. Um, I'm not saying that that D&D can solve all these problems, but if we can if we can put it in the hands of kids at the right age, and I truly feel that 14, 15 is the right age, um, the, the psychological development is so key uh, yeah. at that moment in your life. Uh, and it's funny, too, you, you, uh, you bring up a lot of memory. I had a, a, a friend, a dungeon master, actually, in New York uh, who was a teacher in the Bronx. And he ran the same, very similar, had a, uh, uh, an after-school uh, D&D group. Uh, and it was a, you know, a poverty-ridden school. And it was, you know, it was, it, he had the exact same experience where people, the kids were responding to not only all the things you're talking about, about learning and cognitive learning, because they didn't really even, you know, they didn't know they were being taught. I think that's also sure. kind of uh, an interesting part about playing a game. It's like, you know, right. you're, not, important you're not being lectured to, yep. you're just, you're participating in this and you're getting all these things, you know, kind right. of through osmosis. Um, but he also talked about the confidence and how you, you especially um, players, but then also if you were able to teach people to DM and actually control the your environment and shape these stories and, 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 
that alone let people he, – he saw people blossom from, you know, awkward 13-year-old to, you know, a little bit uh, confident 14-year-old, you know. and, and Let I, me touch on that for a minute. I can, I can add some great insight to that. Sure. My, one of my big pushes this year is to get turn the club away from me running it uh, to kids running it, mm-hmm. which, will, which will happen right around Christmas. More importantly, I can use last year's kids as a great example – uh, since we were polling kids that were already going to be capable of playing the game without us breathing down their neck, um, the, the kids that we had in the club last year were, were shy, um, very bright, but very, very quiet. Um, they didn't have a lot of friends. Um, they, they, you know, they looked kind of uncomfortable in their own skin. Give about four weeks of play in D&D, watching these kids then in my regular classroom, they became shining stars. Okay. Mm -hmm. They became so confident in their own ideas and their ability to communicate those ideas that they realized that they had important things that they could share with their peers and they were no longer afraid to do it. So all of a sudden I had like little mini teachers in every one of my classes. (laughs) And I'll tell you guys, the really great thing about this is that everyone's scores went up. Wow. Really? Yes. Yes, sir. Um, in Texas, here where I teach, the STAR test is a standardized test. It's one of the hardest in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, the kids from D&D added back into the regular population, helped increase the scores of regular children just by their presence there mm-hmm. because their ability to help, their ability to find, their ability to seek out information and present it in a way that was easy to receive. So just by putting the D&D club kids back into population with regular uh, English class, Everyone's scores went up. That's uh, awesome. That's a it, great it, kind of. I mean, and that was that some of the research that you were presenting. Were yes, like, sir. Yes, sir. I'm I'm pretty much quoting from my paper. That's amazing. Um, it, it's it's astounding, is what it is. My kids tested nine point four percent higher than the district average, which may not sound like a lot, but if you're a teacher, you'd no, realize it, how it does sound like. That's a like lot. a whole letter grade higher. Yeah, it's huge. Yes, sir. It's exactly right. It's it's really huge. Um, our district tested right around fifty percent. And my kids were almost 60%. And I I asked my kids what it was that made them test so well. And part of it was they said, well, mister, I was thinking about you. And I was thinking about our room. Um, But to bring D&D back into that fold, I'll tell you that when you walk into a gaming session to visit with your friends and play some D&D, it's not this uh, um, bestial environment of stuffiness and snobbery. It's, Mm -hmm. oh, hey, how you doing? Nice to see you. Let's crack open a can of soda and let's play for eight hours. Yeah. And I brought that environment to my classroom, which all by itself has created success. So I, you know, I've been breaking D&D apart for a couple of years now and adding it into my classroom piecemeal. Yeah. Uh, this is the first year where, I, where I've really decided to have them go through holistic character creation. And, and um, I'm using Schoology to run adventures where um, my kids are in groups of eight. I have four groups of eight in my room and they do read alouds just like you would do in a printed, adv- a printed adventure. Um, you know, they're interacting with each other that one of the kids will, will run the text and, and operate the, the NPCs and the monsters and I'm there to facilitate. So instead of facilitating 32 kids, I'm facilitating four dungeon masters. Wow. Um, and you do this for, for each day or is this six, just, yeah, it's three periods, three periods a day. Um, the, our periods are 90 minutes long. They're, they're block schedule. So I have yeah. uh, half the kids on one day and half the kids the next day. Is it every day, or is it, or is it like Mondays we play D and D? Or uh, no, ma'am. Um, I'm actually uh, using 
Dungeons and Dragons uh, in, in seemingly perfect harmony with school instruction. Okay, so the first adventure is called On the Road. Um, it's a mood-based piece. Mood is one of our standards. The kids have to be able to pull mood out of a piece of text and identify what the mood is. Oh, okay. So in that piece of text, whether on their adventure, and I'm directly addressing them in the text. So it's different than in the text you would read, you know, Shirley walked along the road and she saw a balloon floating in the sky. The kids cannot connect to that. They, 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 I don't think they ever have because I never did. But when I say you are walking along the road and the rain is dripping down your collar and the mud squishes under your boots and you smell the smell of decay coming from a cemetery alongside the road, mm-hmm. there is um, there's a buy in there that the kids have because you're directly addressing them and they've ident- uh, had this identity with these characters that they've made. So all of a sudden, the characters that they've made end up making perfect synthesis into this instruction. That's so, so cool. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a it's pretty neat in concept. Now you got to understand, you know, kids are kids. So if I can get ninety percent buy-in, it'll work. And I think I think I have I think I have easy ninety percent buy-in right now. So what I'm doing is I'm crossing the game mechanics directly with the school instruction using Schoology as the platform because it has a uh, gradual gradual release model to it, where they complete one episode and then they can move on to the next and so on. What is what is Schoology? Uh, Schoology is a as a teacher slash professor based program. It's um you it's it's part of the flipped classroom if you've ever heard of that. That's where you can kind of manifest all of your curriculum ahead of time, and the kids go through it uh, sort of at their leisure. Um, it's uh it's a web based platform. You know you have to be signed up for it. Um, the kids all just log into their Schoology account, and they're already manifested into the. Uh, into the class system there. I, I guess it's sort of hard to explain. Um, yeah, no, I, I never, you know, they didn't do that when I was in school. It's, yeah, have you, are you familiar with Edmodo? No. Mm-mm. Edmodo would be another similar program. It's a, it's a teacher program. It's, it's allowed to, it, it allows you to give instruction without um, standing in front of the room and giving the instruction. So the kids can kind of go into it, click on the, the link that the teacher has put in whatever order you wanted them to be in, and it, it opens up a document and then they have their directions and then you can um, put assessments in there. Like if you wanted a test to be in there or you wanted a, um, what do they call it, a chat. You know, you, you can put different exercises into the, into the program so that you have assessment throughout the period of their, uh, of their lesson. So what, school, what I have done with Schoology this year is I've basically designed a create your, uh, choose your own adventure Dungeons and Dragons model. So in the first adventure, there's, you know, a couple of skill checks when they meet a bard on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and truly, it's, it's exactly like a choose-your-own-adventure book. Once they complete one portion of it, they get to choose which portion they move on to next, and so on and so on. And I use their characters as the, um, you know, I guess, as the motivating factor. Like, they all want their characters to succeed and do well. Right, right. And it, so it, it's it a gives them... adventure novel. Um, where I get to deliver the instruction exactly how I want it to be delivered, but I get to do it in a creative way where the kids are actually interacting with the text. They're not just reading it and taking a test. They're actually interacting with it. Right. Um, and they're and they're envisioning what, what their character would do in that given situation or something like that. And I'm telling you, as a little kid, I would have never understood that as learning. Yeah. No. But now yeah. as a teacher, 
holy cow. I mean, when you talk about kids being able to, my kids, the other day in the room, they're talking about their characters. Oh, my wisdom is, you know, 16 and your dexterity <laughs> is 12. Oh, you need leather armor because you want your character to be sneaky. And I was hearing 32 conversations just like this. Oh, okay? That's amazing. It so, is amazing. So how, kids, go ahead, Shelly. Sorry, Cade. Um, please, please I'm just curious about the, the character creation. Is that something like, like how, how, basically, how do you introduce your class to the notion that we're going to use D&D in this class? This is how, how we're well, going to... Well, they all think it's a video game. Right. I mean, that's the first thing they say. They think that they're going to create these character sheets and we're going to feed it into some sort of machine and out's, <laughs> out's going to spit some three-dimensional character on a screen. That's what they think. So I just let them think that for as long as they need to think it. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, whatever. And then you, you, do you let, like, the, uh, the artistic-minded people to do, you know, do sketches of their characters and things like that? Uh, I, I got one better than that. Um, mm -hmm. They do what I call character maps because a lot of kids can't draw so well. Um, and so they do. They can do a stick figure, and then it's all about the labeling. I tell them to label everything on your character. Okay, well, what color are their eyes? Oh, their eyes are blue. Are they sky blue? Are they sea blue? Are they steel blue? What kind of blue are they? Oh, they're sky blue. Okay, so what do the character's eyes tell you about the character? Oh, well, they, they have hurt in their past, mister. Okay, so write that into the eye description. Then what I use is a, a web-based program called Hero Machine 3. And it's free, so I don't know if you'll need to get the lawyers on it. <laughs> um, Hero Machine is a character portrait generator. There are dozens of different character portrait generators online. But I have my kids go through the character creation process. Then they have to write a head-to-toe description, which describes their race, their class, their equipment, you know, everything about their character from head-to-toe without doing backstory. Uh, that's a big challenge for them is to not slip into this narrative mode where they're right. talking about the castle their character grew up in. You're just describing the, the physical... Just the description, which is... Um, that's essay format, that's just to try to help you with some teacher talk. Right, you're teaching them how to, yeah. how to write by exactly. asking them to do that. It doesn't, it doesn't so sound like a writing assignment. No. It's just it's, a, it's, something It's fun. really beautiful. It's a beautiful uh, blend of all of the things that I'm expected to have them do but I'm able to use Dungeons and Dragons as the creative model to help them do it. So they're writing a descriptive essay, but they're using a fictional character to do it. Yeah. So now when you think about the term of synthesis, we're always trying to get them to use the learning that they've gotten in something. So we're always trying to get them to use their learning into, into a product of some kind. D&D ends up being that perfect through line of synthesis. They're learning from informational text. They put it onto a character sheet, which is very much like a job application, by the way. And then they have to synthesize that information from their character sheet into a literary world where they are an active part, where their voice actually makes changes in that world. I mean, the learning is all the way through the roof, guys. Um, I, I'm so proud to have been a D&D player. I've been playing D&D for 26 years. Wow. So I'm able to see how valuable it is, and I'm so proud to be able to present that to my children and see the light in their eyes as, as they're modeling their character on Hero Machine in the final stage. They've gone through all this work. They've done backgrounds, you know, skills, ability scores, saving throws, equipment. You know, it seems endless to them as they're doing it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then they get to see that character and they print that out on Hero Machine and they realize that that character did not exist before they walked into my room. Yeah. Right, and then you're teaching them, you know, the, the creative writing skills and, and all of the, you know, the idea of, 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 I mean, I'm sure you get to the point where you're doing storytelling and actually being like, okay, this event happens and then, you know, this event happens and then how do you get to a climax and all that rising action kind of stuff, right? 
Yes, sir. They understand that almost immediately because prior to this, they've never had a character that could interact with text. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. always told they need to interact with the text, but they don't know how because if nothing, if something never happened to them in the text that they're reading, they can't identify with it. Yeah. Um, our kids, if there's something about gangs, they identify with it. Okay. They 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 love gangs. They know all about gangs. They know to avoid gangs. Okay. So that's one of the things that that really draws them in. Well, all of a sudden they have this avatar. And this avatar affects the world that they are in, and you can see the buy-in. You can see the kids actually uh, interacting with text, which is what is lost in literacy these days. And that's what being in Europe was all about, was, was talking about how, how games, for us, it was talking about how games really can help improve the literacy of children. I think it's uh, such a cool uh, evolution because I remember when uh, I mean when I was in school it was the the eighties and nineties and and the idea of games and and teaching using games as teaching tools was just kind of starting there was always a few there was a few teachers I remember in school who were like I'm going to do it this way and I remember there were being some you know the old guard of people who were like not that into that and thought it was is silly and it's so f- awesome to hear the complete evolution of that going to not only is you know, can we once once a once a month use a game in a class, and that's right. like a, a fun diversion? But your entire concept of your curriculum is based yeah. on Dungeons and Dragons. And how in this seamlessly game. it does fit yeah. into what you're teaching, and and especially you're for teaching language that. arts. I mean, that's a it's that's, an yeah. unbelievable that's a great way to do tool, that, guys. It, it it is an unbelievable instruction tool. One of the standards that we have here in Texas is simply the ability to look through a book and find information. Okay, mm-hmm. that's one of the standards that they have. My kids, I walked into my class the other day, and uh, thank you so much for the supplies. I'm telling you, the kids getting their hands on those books has changed their life forever. Um, oh, nice. I walked into my classroom, and I have my player's handbook, and the eight that were sent, they were all spread out around the room. The bell, the second tardy bell, had not, not rung yet, and I had kids with their character sheets out. The books were open. They're studying spells. They're reading through combat. They're they're literally doing what I would have wanted them to do without me asking them to do it. Wow! And that's exactly what we want to happen. Now we just need to get the rest of the country uh, education system to get on board. No kidding. No. Yeah, we'll start the, we'll start sending D and D books out to every school. Well, are are other teachers following your lead? Um, I tell you what, I I I think it's I think it's an inevitable future, Shelley, because. We're looking at a, at a world that's going to become increasingly digital, and kids are literally going to stop reading. I mean, period. And so if and if if they have to see value in it, mm-hmm. if they have to see value in the reading in order to to do it, uh, Dungeons and Dragons is one of those tools that, if given to them at an early enough age, could break the stigma that kids have against reading. Um, they really hate it. They really hate reading. Okay, especially if you put a novel that's 300 pages in front of them, they'll throw up all over themselves. (laughs) But D&D, since it's in pieces, okay, there's headings. It's designed beautifully. It always has been. It's it's designed so beautifully that the kids can grab it a piece at a time. And as they're grabbing that piece at a time, they're able to uh, put it in their mind and kind of work with that little piece. You know, maybe they're looking at a dwarf and they're thinking about what a dwarf is and they're reading those little chunks of text that are so beautifully divided. Mm. And it's really great for kids that that you guys have done that. Um, And so they're actually able to grab onto that text and do something with it, especially when they know that they're actually going to be able to use it somehow immediately. Right. Right. 
that's what's really missing from a lot of the reading and writing exercises that are done in school is because the kids don't have any attachment to it. So you create this investment and the kids will usually, they'll usually uh, come, come good on that investment. That's so great, man. Well, it was really good talking to you, Cade. Uh, I feel like we could talk to you for days. I know, and I feel like... Did we miss any really big points that you guys want to hit? Well, no. I'm I'm sure there, there'll always be <laughs> things to, that we could think to talk to you about, but we could always have you on again as a guest. Yeah, I'd love to okay. check in with you again to see how the, uh, yeah. you know, because you, you said this was the first year in September, right, that you're going to go full in, or was that last year? Yes, sir, this year I'm, I'm, I'm all in um, in... Next year, not next year, two years from now, the World Literacy Conference is in um, Spain, Barcelona, uh -huh. I think. Madrid. It's in Madrid, Spain. I've already been invited to go um, via Sam Houston State University. The next two years of research will be really telling yeah. uh, about how those kids progress uh, using D&D as the primary model for instruction. Yeah, especially I mean, you could now check in with people who are freshmen now, and then when they're when they're juniors or seniors, and oh, be yeah, like, how how cool. is that? You know, uh, I can tell you that after two years of D and D club, that equals about twenty five students. That those students have not failed one single standardized mm -hmm. test for the state in the last two years. That That's all awesome. the kids that are playing D and D are are passing with flying colors. They t tell me all the time how easy English class is now. How easy school is, and and they thank me all the time for that. That's so great, yeah. And it's so funny how that this like I you know I had that that friend in in New York, and he was telling me the exact same things. And it's like you know these things, you know you if you have a teacher who's really into D and D, this makes sense. But like you know these concepts and these things can 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 really help people you know beyond the scope of D and D fandom, you know, which I, I find really fascinating, and I want more people to get get involved in it. I think it could really change people's lives. It just needs to be brought into the into the spotlight. Yeah, uh, well, that's what we're doing. Take, it's going to take people like us, guys. That's it. That's right. right. We're making it happen. Well, great. It was great talking to you, Cade. Uh, yeah. Love to check with, in with you again later on in the year to see uh, to see how it's going. Sounds great, guys. Thanks very much. Awesome. Thank you, Cade. Thank you, Shelley. Talk to you soon. You, okay. Okay. Bye. 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 So that was super fascinating. He is yeah. amazing. I, I now I almost like want to be a teacher. And uh, now I almost want to go back to ninth grade. <laughs> if I could be in his class. <laughs> I want to get transported. You would be a very good teacher. I, I would love to. I would love to do it. It was just I had to go to school, and I'm not into that. Oh but, yeah. But I like learning and, and reading and all of, you know all the things that uh, I, if I would I would have been an English teacher and probably would have been similar to to, yeah. to Kate. I don't know if I would have gone. You know, had the inspiration to go full. You know, integrating into the curriculum like he is, but yeah. it's it's really awesome. Well, it's great. He's got the support of his principal too, which yeah. I think maybe is a barrier, like he was alluding to for some other teachers. Right, but, right. Yeah. But that that soon is you know as we Good. get farther and farther along, it's going to be for them. cool. And what an honor to present that research at the World Literacy Conference. Yeah, that is pretty. It's cool. no joke. Cool. All right. Well, hopefully we'll get a chance to check in with him again uh, yeah. on the podcast. Um, you can follow uh, us at uh, Wizards D D at Twitter, um, and uh, I'm at, at Greg Tito. If you ever want to ask me a question or want to get in touch with Cade uh, about how to learn more, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, you can always check it out on our Facebook page as well. Give us a like. Let us know if you're listening to the podcast and you want to have uh, different guests on. Let us know. Yeah, feel free to recommend people that you know that are are doing great things like Cade is doing. Exactly. We'd love to talk to them. Love to talk to them. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.